Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Ghost Boys Podcast. Landon, did you enjoy your weekend? Yeah, weekends, again, it's it's all kind of... <laughs> is it not the weekend currently? Uh, I, that, I don't know. I don't even know what day it is. Yes, it, it was fine. It's It's been a little bit rainy over here, so uh, we've all been cooped up even more so than normal. But um, yeah, it was a nice weekend to get away from work and uh, be trapped at home some more. <laughs> did you just watch movies the whole time? Is that basically what oh you did? Oh my God, I wish. I mean, th- th- listen, anyone who has a, uh, uh, a small child <laughs> is laughing at this whole, you know, meme of, God, you can't figure out what to watch next. You, you know what I get to watch next? That same episode of Arthur that I've watched a hundred times already. That's that's what I get to watch next. Uh, so yeah, I, I no, I have not watched any movies. I don't even. I, I barely have time to watch any new stuff at this point because I'm so busy watching children's stuff all the time. <laughs> Francis, underrated character in Arthur, by the way. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and let's be clear. And I've got hot takes. Let, let, let's on everything. be clear. The, the hot take here: <laughs> Arthur overall completely overrated, just uh, top to bottom. <laughs> Soup to nuts, just a terrible show, in my opinion. There you go. There you go. I, I kind of agree. Send your letters. Um, Let's. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners are watching Our big Arthur fans, basis, but, but send your letters, okay? Terrible aesthetic. Yeah, there you go. Terrible aesthetic. Go, go ahead. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the 2010 All Decade team that was released by the Pro Football Hall of Fame today. Um, and I probably irrationally care about this too much because this should signify who are the best players of the decade. And I don't always think that they do a great job of putting together these lists. Now, the Cowboys did have two uh, representatives, and we'll go ahead and talk about those guys first before I get into my uh, grievances. But uh, Tyron Smith, Zach Bar- Martin, both made the all-decade team. I actually think they're probably the two best players at the position on the list. The other tackles were Jason Peters, Joe Staley, and Joe Thomas. Thomas was really good as well. Uh, and then the other guards were Marshall Yonda, Logan Mankins, Jari Evans, uh, and then Centers for Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey. Uh, let's start with Tyron Smith, Landon. Did he deserve to make the all-decade team? Well, first of all, I think that there is probably some question as to whether he did make the all-team, uh, all-pro team, because they didn't <laughs> list him. They listed someone named Tyrone Smith as the. Uh, Tyrone as, Smith. As yes. the, uh, this is this is the <laughs> this is just, just to give you the the authority that this list is. Uh, Ty- That's a, that, that sums up this whole. Tyrone well, Smith right? is on the uh, never, never. I don't know if he's ever played a snap for anybody, but uh, some guy <laughs> named, named Tyrone Smith made the uh, made the uh, all pro, all decade team. So uh, yeah, this is a travesty. I mean, I mean, Tyrone Smith and, and uh, Zach Martin obviously deserve to make it. Uh, the fact that uh, Frederick did not make it as a center is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's mm-hmm, absolutely agree. ridiculous, especially over Marquise Pouncey. What a total joke! Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that uh, I will agree with you that you you irrationally are bothered by these more than I am, but I do think that if we're gonna do this stuff, uh, probably should you know do make an effort to get it right and and not you know 
do stuff like throw in uh, uh, a part-time running back as a flex person, like like this is a fantasy <laughs> football lineup instead of the all-pro sure. lineup. So uh, that's sure. just my take. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and defend Travis Frederick for a second. I think he, you know, during the time that he played from 2013 to 2019, he was a better player than Alex Mack or Marquise Pouncey at his peak. Uh, you know, I, I just think he was more versatile. I think Marquise Pouncey was one of these guys where he was picked in the, first, the first round, round by the Steelers yeah, exactly. early on. Well known. Yeah, yeah. He well known, went to a big school. Uh, Pittsburgh went to the Super Bowl during his rookie year. He actually got rookie of the year consideration, which was kind of ridiculous because he was pretty bad as, as a rookie, made the Pro Bowl. And then from that point on, he's basically just been considered a Pro Bowl center I think he actually graded out as pro football focus as worst ranked starting center last year. And not a surprise if you watch him. I mean, just, just his play has fallen off so dramatically. But uh, that's the one I have the biggest grievance with. Um, Landon, is there anybody else you think at least deserves some mention here? I mean, I, I, I really tried to rack my brain on guys that I think, you know, maybe had a case. Um, is there anybody here that you think the, from the Cowboys that should have been on this list? Uh, I thought about Dez. I mean, Dez from 2010 yeah, to 2017 was really good. Yeah. But the problem is he doesn't necessarily have the stats of Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. Now, he does have better stats than Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. But those are almost bigger name guys that have been doing it you know, for a while. But Calvin Johnson only played till what, 2015? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem is that, you know, you're talking about, you know, all-decade team and, and some of these guys – had you know four or five really good years, but just didn't play you know for very long. Or you know a lot of these things too. It's like this isn't a very clean marking, you know, because it's like you started 2010, you ended what 20, 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these best players probably had their best years in 2010 or 11 and 12, and then retired in 13. So they they may not be necessarily eligible for the 2010 All Pro or the 2000 sure. All Pro. So. You know, I think there there is there, these lists are always ridic- you know ridiculously wonky because our measurements sure. are weird, right? We're we're taking it at you know randomized ten year chunks, and and I don't know that that's necessarily the best way of grouping players. I think you know I I just the eras. I think that's how they they've been trying to kind of keep it era specific, but I I don't know. I mean, I, I think things are changing so quickly now in this game that. Uh, 2010 is two eras ago, practically, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've got two. Um, I I think Jason Witten, as much as I like to kind of harp on him, I think he's got a better case to be the other tight end opposite of Gronkowski than Travis Kelsey. He had more receiving yards this decade, more touchdowns, obviously the better blocker, started more games. I think Kelsey, as a receiver, the peaks are higher. Uh, But if you're looking at all decade and, you know, the numbers that you're just totaling, I, I think it's hard to leave Witten off that list. Um, the other one is DeMarcus Ware. Uh, Ware made, I think, six Pro Bowls in this decade. Uh, he was an All-Pro in 2011. He had a 19.5 sack season. Um, you know, I, I really like him. Could you make a case that he has been better than Chandler Jones or uh, even Julius Peppers this decade? I, I kind of think so. I, I, at least I think that's a conversation worth having. Yeah, I mean... Um... Uh, where won a Super Bowl with Denver uh, in 2015? Yeah, again, I, I think this is a situation where the, the, the lines of demarcation are, are bad. You know, it's like if this was a 2000, 
uh, uh, five to two, 2015, like he's probably the number one vote. No, there's no doubt. You know, like, I mean, that's the issue is that half his career is in one decade and half his career in the other decade. And this may be one of the best players on this list, you know? And so, right. And that's my problem. Yeah. When we do these lists, I want the absolute best players at the time, right? I don't think anybody will tell you Cam Jordan's a better player than DeMarcus Ware, right? Yeah. It's in, in that way, it makes it feel. Like we just have a lesser list because of you know these weird, you know, time constraints almost. Yeah, it's like I said, it, 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 they're they're shaking random, you know, non-scientific slices of these of these uh, seasons and these careers, and then deciding, you know, who's better over that period when you know some of these guys have, like I said, half their you're 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 bisect dissecting half of the, the these players' career numbers by by doing so because they got drafted in the middle of one decade and then retired in the middle of the other. So I, yeah, it's right. just not a very useful way to divide this up, frankly. Last one. Uh, I think you can make a really strong case that Ezekiel Elliott, despite only playing yeah. what four years yeah. has a better case over Frank Gore, yeah. right? Gore in the decade has made two pro bowls, um, only two 1200 yard seasons. He's a more, at this point, I, I feel like he's more of a compiler rather than anything else. Uh, never had a double-digit touchdown season uh, in the decade. Um, you know, never had a season with more than 38 catches. Uh, so I think, I mean, obviously, if you look at the stats there, Gore has, you know, more total yards, but I think Elliott's better. But what's funny is, okay, we do that for one category, but we don't do that at tight end for Jason Witten. That, that's where this list doesn't. It just it's a lot of politics. Me. I mean, they just didn't want to put a bunch of Cowboys players on there because they already had two Cowboys players, and they want to put you know, which is fine. They want to like, you know, yeah. they want to put more more teams. They want to spread that out. But it's like you know, you ham fist it. Uh, 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 what's his name in as a flex player? Uh, Darren, Darren Sproles. Sproles. I like Darren. Sproles, I like Darren but, Sproles, yeah, this Sproles is... too. But do you think Darren Sproles deserves to be on an All Decade team over Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott? Like no. Ezekiel Elliott, since no. he's been in the league, I, I could be wrong, but he's—I think he's led the, the league in rushing every year except for the year that he missed, right? That he had. Uh, yeah, he was close this year. Uh, somebody named Derrick Henry barely beat him he, out, but, but yeah, it was close. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> just had to get that. Yeah, he had there. to get that in. They're, they're, but but it doesn't matter, right? Just those. those yeah, those yeah, two highly drafted. Those two highly drafted running backs. Correct. It doesn't really matter if as long as they're highly drafted. Uh, so I guess you know I, I think that it, it's one of those things where it, you know you can ham fist it, you can slice it any way you want. It you know yeah, it's pretty yeah. ridiculous that there's any list that would put uh, Darren Sproles on it over Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I agree. Just, no matter um, what you want to call them, yeah. a flex or whatever. It's just ridiculous, man. There's nobody at the peak of Darren Sproles' career is is taking him over Ezekiel no. Elliott. Sorry, it's just not happening. And I'm listen, I'm team I, I love running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield, do stuff on special teams. But there's a difference in player and caliber there. Um let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll uh finish up with mock draft Monday. All right, Landon, at the Draft Network today, we got a whole bunch of mock drafts. Uh, all of their writers decided to put the put out a one-round mock draft. We're going to go through them individually kind of quickly. You, I'll, I'll give you the pick. You give me like one, two sentences on how you feel about it, all right? Sure. Let's start with Ben Solex uh, at pick number 17, the Cowboys take. Clavion Chase on the edge rusher from LSU. That's starting to feel like the consensus pick for the Cowboys there. How would you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think that 
we've talked about Chase on at 17 for a while. If he were to fall to him, I think everyone would be pretty decently happy with that as a as the pick. Uh, you know, uh, upside guy who you think is uh, on the come. I think I think you saw the last few games of his college career, a, a player who was uh, a young player who was starting to figure it out and was starting to ascend. I think you get him into uh, uh, an NFL weight room, a workout, and you're going to see that kind of even further uh, ascend. Uh, I like, I would like him at 17. Got no problem with that, and I think that there's a reason that uh, you keep seeing his name uh, put in there. I think that the Cowboys probably yep. have interest there, and I don't like we've said. I don't think that Alden Smith or potential of Randy Gregory. I don't think either one of those things precludes you from taking uh, a guy like this at 17. You can never have too many pass rushers, and if uh, you know worst case scenario, I mean not worst case scenario, but uh, it, it was want to talk about champagne problems. Is you got three really good pass rushers, uh, all for pretty decently cheap, opposite oh, of no. Darkest, what are you doing Marcus Lawrence. Yeah. What are you going to do? And so yeah, I, I would say yeah. that it's not uh, it's not the worst thing ever. All right, the next mock is Carter Don Donanick, uh, which his pick at number seventeen, C.J. Henderson. Not sure how really realistic that is. It is uh, worth mentioning that Clavion Chason uh, was there at pick 18. Landon, if both those players are there for the Cowboys, who do you expect the pick to be? Between Chason and Henderson? Is that what it was? I'm sorry? Yes. Uh, yep. I mean, I think probably Henderson. You know, I, I think generally I, I would probably grade those players pretty similarly. Um, mm -hmm. I think that Henderson is, you know, just based on what we've talked about with draft sequencing, I think drafting a cornerback at one and, and it being Henderson really kind of opens things up in a way that you like. So I probably would go Henderson just because I, I like the way the rest of the draft falls to me uh, after that when I've been able to get Henderson. Uh, but yeah, but, but I, I, I agree with players. you. I, mean, but I wouldn't have a problem with either. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think the draft plays out better if the Cowboys draft Henderson over Chase on at that spot. I'm not entirely convinced the Cowboys will go that way, though. Just just kind of putting that out there. Um, next mock. Uh, this one has the Cowboys at pick 17 taking Jeff Gladney, cornerback TCU over Chase on. How would you feel about that selection there, Landon? That's a reach. I mean, I, I like Gladney. A, a full round that's, reach? That's a full – I mean, yeah. I, I like him at 51. Um, I like him maybe in a trade back situation. If if you know that the, some of the other corner, if we kind of get wiped out, I mean, I don't have a problem taking him at the bottom of the second. I sure as heck am not taking him over Chase on at seventeen. Like that's a, that's a I'm that's not an incredible reach to me. All right, this next one from Joe Marino, uh, Cowboys at pick seventeen, Kristen Fulton over Chase on. I think that's interesting because. You know, we again, as we mentioned, the sequencing here is difficult. If you don't get a cornerback in round one, you might not get one in round two that you feel good about. Uh, I no, don't necessarily like Fulton in the first round. I know that you don't either. Uh, what would your be? What would your feeling be about Fulton at pick seventeen? Uh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I don't know. Please, no. Yeah, it's just. I feel like there's way too many problems to get in there, and I feel like you're getting a, a Chidobe Awuzie type of corner at pick 17. That just feels rich for me. Yeah. Um, next one. Uh, this one is at pick 17. 
the Cowboys take Javon Kinlaw, somebody that we haven't talked about very uh, much lately. Uh, C.J. Henderson goes pick 16 to the Falcons. Chason goes pick 18 uh, to the Bengals in a trade-up. What do you think about Kinlaw over Chason there? Hmm. Because we really haven't talked about Chason, especially after they've signed Gerald McCoy and on Terry Poe. Who knows what they think of Tristan Hill. Tyrone Crawford will likely be back. It, it, I don't know. What do you think about Kinlaw there? You know, it, the, the problem is is that, uh, you know, I think we haven't really discussed a Kinlaw versus Chason situation. I mean, no. we haven't, like you mentioned, we haven't really discussed much of Kinlaw in general since the signing of these defensive tackles. But Well, really even since like January, yeah. since the, the senior bowl. I I really don't know what I would do if Kinlaw and Chason were both on the board. I kind of feel like I feel like Chason is safer. <laughs> Which is crazy to me that he's considered safer, but you're probably Am right. Am I right though? I mean that's the thing is that that's yeah. why I kind of ended with yes. the question mark is <sighs> Yes, cuz I think I don't think there's <laughs> well, Chason has his own injury concerns, right? He had the ankle sprain, he tore his ACL. Uh, but for some reason, I actually feel better about his stuff than uh, Kinlaw. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel too. I, I just that knee really. I I have. I wonder if the biggest loser in all of this uh, coronavirus mm-hmm. shutting down is is Javon Kinlaw because that very well that knee be. is a huge question mark. It doesn't really seem like, even though he went to Senior Bowl, that anybody has a good handle on exactly what's going or maybe they do and they're just not talking about it no but remember he he had to leave after two days no no, no I, I know but i'm saying like I yeah. mean, but they still didn't get a i don't know that they got an answer on what the deal is with the knee no you know what i'm saying no, no. so i don't i don't i mean and obviously him leaving after two days caused more questions than it did answers so right then he goes to the combine yeah. and he doesn't work out there he states his knee is still giving him trouble yeah so we have no testing numbers on him yeah no testing uh <sighs> you he's got a troublesome knee that could be arthritic as far as you know um sure <sighs> he's the one guy that i really hope is picked before dallas like i yeah. I, I don't even want dallas to have to think about it's, it it's so scary Right, because you know right. he's like, oh, he's got this talent. You 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 feel this pressure to draft him because of the tape and because of who he is and all those reasons. But the but yeah, I mean the problem is is that that knee is so so much an open question mark. And then on top of that, defensive tackles just in general uh, can be sure. very difficult to very treacherous waters to draft in, especially early. So there's a lot of even though a, a pass rushing, you know, a, a non, not really a productive pass rusher, is not exactly a uh, a safe bet. Sure, I, I probably think the chase on might be a safer bet than Kinlaw specifically. Right now, if you compare this to last year's class, and again, these situations aren't identical, really, but they are similar. Uh, you remember Jeffrey Simmons last year? Of course, yeah. He yeah he he fell to pick twenty two or twenty three or something like that. Uh, he had a knee injury. Now, he also had some off-the-field stuff. Yep. But I think with him, I felt way better about the player oh, that yeah. I saw on the field. He was a top-five player. Kinlaw. Like, I mean, it, it was, that right. was more like if Derek Brown had Kinlaw's problems, right? Like, right. If, imagine Derek Brown's tape, and then the downside is, oh, he's got a potentially arthritic knee, and there may be some off-the-field issues. That's kind of what Jeremy – that's what kind of what Simmons was dealing with last year, right? Right, and that's why it's tough 
I mean, you don't really want to draft based on what you saw last year and what happened in last year's draft. But to me, taking a Kinlaw at 17 compared to a Simmons at 22 or 23 last year, it just seems like there's a big difference in terms oh, of value well, there, right? Well, it's worse than that because, because, again, it's not even just that he has the knee. The problem is that you don't know what the knee is. And, and, and without right. being able to get your medical staff to, to, you know, bend that knee and poke and prod it and, and, and give it MRIs and see exactly what's going on, that's just a whole bunch of unknown. And now you're basically relying on whatever medical test he got at the Senior Bowl, which they do do some medical tests at the Senior Bowl. Some, whatever, yep. you know, the South Carolina medical staff is going to tell you, which I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them, honestly. Sure. Uh, and, no. and whatever his agent's telling you. So, again, none of the only reliable, even sort of reliable source is the Senior Bowl medical staff, and you don't even know what, you know, opportunity they got, and, or except for maybe the combine. We don't really know what medical stuff he d- even did at the combine. So maybe you've got a little bit more information there but i i have to i have a feeling that when you're considering a first round pick a guy that's got a potentially arthritic knee this is not enough time with the medical staff to make you feel comfortable i i i wonder if there is you know there's there's kind of like this thought process of what is the you know draft twitter's consensus of a player and what are the, what do the teams mm-hmm. actually think i would not at all be surprised if teams in general had Kinlaw lower on their board. I'm not saying he's a lower prospect, and I, I'm not saying that I'm right, because maybe the, the teams actually do know more about his need than we are aware of, but I wouldn't be at all be surprised if they don't have enough information on his knee, and because of it, he's much lower Correct. on their bo- boards than on draft ex- boards, because teams are just terrified of what happens if you draft a defensive tackle with an arthritic knee. Yeah, he scares me, and he always has, um, just because of the lack of production. You know, this is somebody with not a lot of experience. I think he's going to have problems in the run game. Uh, you know, I even heard some whispers about a month ago that uh, in the workouts, you know, leading up to his pro day, uh, he wasn't necessarily putting up the athletic testing numbers that many assumed. I think a lot of people assumed that he was going to be an elite, elite athlete, where I'm not necessarily – I mean, I think he's a good athlete, but I'm not sure he's a – a special athlete and if he's not a special athlete with all those concerns where do you draft him so uh just something to consider i I still i still don't think he's there at 17 i think there's too many other teams ahead of them that could use a defensive tackle but we shall see last thing before we go landon uh there was an article out today that um the ravens are going to be really aggressive in this draft especially in the first round uh they have picked 28 um, their pick actually matches up exactly pick 28 and pick 60 up with pick 17. Would you trade or let me, was there any players that fell to you in these mock drafts that would, you know, make it where you wouldn't trade down to pick 28 and pick up that extra second round pick? Like is, is CJ Henderson a good enough player where you feel fine to just stay there and pick? I, I think that, Because it's close for it's me. It's really close. Getting that extra yeah. second round pick is so bad. Yeah, I think it's very close. I, I think that there is some uh, safety in picking CJ Henderson and ignoring that t- that trade because I think that honestly, to me at this point, cornerback seems like the one position where you kind of need to figure out a way to prove the top end of that spot, right? You don't need another body. You don't need another just another body. You need a, a top end guy. 
So if you get C.J. Henderson and he falls to you, you probably can't look look that gift horse in the mouth. Uh, you probably well. Let me ask you this: Would you would, is C.J. Henderson worth more than Trevon Diggs in a second round pick to you? I, I think it's close. You know. I, yeah, and I think it is. I think it's at least worthy of talking about. Yeah, because I, mean, I probably would stay there and take Henderson. Probably because you're not guaranteed to hit on that other extra pick either. You know what I'm saying? Like no, you're not. So, but but that extra pick could allow you to take you know a receiver there. You know, at, at pick sixty, I feel really good about the receivers that are going to be there. Maybe that allows you to take uh, a linebacker to give you more insurance there, like an Akeem Davis Gaither. But you're definitely getting a lesser, you know, a lesser cornerback with certainly lesser athleticism. I just tend to think that the the thing about it is that the the value is not the value difference is not to me as stark as it normally would be because I think by drafting C.J. Henderson at 17, you set the rest of your draft up so well I agree. that yep. it's like it, it's almost like well I I, I don't know that it's. In a normal situation, trading back would you know usually you think provide you more value. I, I think in this case, you may be better set up by just taking C.J. Henderson and, and then allowing the rest of the draft ha- fall to you. <laughs> There's also the chance that the Cowboys could trade down to 28 and not draft a corner. Maybe you know with if you pick up an extra second round pick, that allows you to take a player at a different position in need or a guy that you've maybe fallen in love with. Maybe a Baylor wide receiver that we're going to talk about later in the week, uh, who we've heard the Cowboys are very interested in. So it gives you some different opportunities, and maybe some you know maybe you just feel more comfortable drafting that player later in the first round. So uh, we will we will talk about that later in the week. That is a tease for you guys. Uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you next time.